Hello and welcome to another episode of Ask Mom and Dad. I'm still Dad. It's still Mom. We're still here together. Um, this Even is though none of very few of our kids are left, so really we're not Mom and Dad all the day. I mean, sometimes he calls us Mom and Dad, I guess. Only when he's in trouble. Right, exactly. Otherwise, and he doesn't call us at all. He kind of hides in the backdrop. Right? Yeah, well, so she's speaking of our engineer who's <laughs> hiding in the back room and is also our, our last remaining son. We've had the rest of them sh <laughs> shipped off. Our sons well, literally have been shipped off. off, some of them, all but one of them. Um, but anyway, I, we are a podcast that happens um, semi-weekly, and by semi, I mean we try to have it weekly, and then everything else in between is the semi part. Um, so we, <laughs> we try as to do this. As opposed to a semi-truck. Yeah, as yeah, opposed to a semi-truck or a semi-colon. <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm just throwing my earpiece around because it's weirdly situated in my ear. There we go. Um, and we try to talk about topics that we make sure that we have not studied for or prepared ourselves for. And there's a reason for that um, besides okay. the one that my wife thinks I'm getting ready to give you. The reason is because if you're asking mom and dad something, if you've ever noticed, there's a usual phrase that comes after that question from the parent that is, ask your mother <laughs> or ask your father. And that's generally because they haven't studied for the surprise questions they get asked. And so well, that's a good point. That's the, my, that is my, that. my excuse for lack of study. On the subject matter and oftentimes when we come together Tanya to talk about subjects we really are dealing with the things that are in our children's lives even though they don't live with us anymore I mean we don't yeah, ever get we still have one but you know that lives with us but um that even though they don't they're not all still living with us they're scattered abroad we're dealing with something in their life even if it's something is what's the password to this um which seems to be consistent with some of the kids dad how do I log into this account um and I'm like going you do it by getting your own account because <laughs> you're an adult now <laughs> anyway but um, the cool thing is we do have a communication um, platform that we're using so we do hear from them once in a while yeah oh, prayer quests yeah. and some different things so this this week we really did get to um, pray with Noah on some things he's struggling with that was that was really good although and Josiah heavy and yeah and Josiah too before we get into that though because I think we should talk about that a little bit um I wanted to make an announcement kind of for this weekend is famously Halloween for those in America who it's I heard the other day that it's the most popular um, holiday in America or something kind of broke my heart because I was like does that what does that mean <laughs> most I, people I participate I... or does that just mean that most people know about it and or the, I don't know. Have a, I don't think have people like to dress it, up. Or, or I just think people like to dress up. And whereas well, Christmas is a very specific, was weird, yeah. a very, Christmas is a very specific dress up. Um, Halloween is like whatever dress up. So, you know, I, th yeah. I mean, well, as far I as American even, culture, I'm not even sure what they were going on. I don't know if somebody was. Uh, I don't know, Elijah. Do you have you any idea why Halloween's the most popular thing? You can actually we no, learn to push a button I mean. and give it an input. I don't input. mean why. I'm just saying I, I don't know where that statistic came from. I don't understand the aspects aspects of that if they actually meant it's just the most widely recognized or participated in or like you're saying i don't know what they're well, I just said expression. what i wanted to do was talk about um the christian angle on things like this and we've always struggled in our home to know how to approach halloween first of all because it doesn't feel like anything except kind of evil with the exception of candy there doesn't feel I'll use just the word feel because to me it doesn't feel like a whole lot of other redeeming qualities to it. But it doesn't mean that a lot of people just don't approach it with innocence. They probably do. I don't really know. I didn't grow up in those households. I grew up in the household I grew up in and raised my kids in the one we were in, which was trying to approach life with a biblical worldview. And that, that makes these kind of um, holidays these mm. kind I guess this one particular a little difficult because I remember at one point our kids kind of making fun of it saying and knowing that my opinion was pretty negative on it they um called it Satan's birthday or something silly like that well I don't think that's what, really what America is trying to do with it but I also think it, it was kind of a countering the church holiday quote unquote so that what I'm trying to get at is the actual church holiday that either either answered it or preluded it is um, normally known as All Saints Day on November 1st. But it's just been recently that I realized the actual Reformation 
day, what, what we should call Reformation Day, which would be attributing our whole faith understanding, branching off of the Catholic Church, sure. Martin Luther, um, not nailing the 95 Thesis to the wall, which was to say that he believed that faith was um, faith in Jesus alone was the entrance to heaven, not indulgences and stuff like that. So anyway, well, the Reformation yeah. actually happened on October 31st. That is the day he actually right. specifically not, let me, uh, let me, nailed that to the wall. Sorry, forgive me for interrupting, but I want to add to that. So I did what every good parent does and Googles the question. I didn't quite Google it. I asked DuckDuckGo. Or a good counter to me, you mean? Good parent, that's funny. <laughs> no, I'm not a counter. A good parent goes and looks up what? Oh, no, I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry. That's not what I was trying to imply. <laughs> I'm a terrible human being. Um, I was going to say, in order to support your preposition, um, I looked this up real quick. Uh, this is from Ligonier, which is what um, some of our kids really love. A single event on a single day changed the world. It was October 31st, 1517. Brother Martin, a monk and scholar, had struggled for years within his church, the church in Rome. He had been greatly disturbed by an unprecedented indulgence scale sale. The story had the makings of a Hollywood blockbuster, and they're going to just jump in and go through all of it there. But I'm just going to give you the actual the act that was in 1517. But the big picture from just my... I think you doubted that it was Halloween. No, I didn't at all, because I, I looked it up a long time ago. I looked it up earlier oh, okay. when you asked you me. you asked me a few minutes ago, and I said, no, it was actually October 31st, not mm-hmm. November 1st. Well, I, that's been confusing, because what we were talking about is it wasn't something that our faith, um, what would it, our denomination made much of growing up so i didn't know that i honestly did not know that until a couple of years ago when i started reading more about it and realized that that all saints day because i'd heard of that not very long ago as well probably mm-hmm. about 10 years ago and thought that was kind of a, a lutheran uh, i don't know mainline protestant church answer to halloween i didn't know which came first chicken or the egg whatever but what I'm realizing is actually October 31st was the one, the day that he nailed that thesis to the wall. So right. why in Christendom, just across the board, has that not been a bigger literal holiday for us? Because it it split us off of the Catholic mindset of works to, to salvation kind of mentality and, and was our, the big, to me, the beginning of the Protestant movement, which was... It's by faith alone in Jesus and his death on the cross and resurrection that we come to salvation. So it's interesting that we don't. Anyway, I wanted to kind of just bring that up because I think it would be really neat if in the church we would reform that, literally. (laughs) And I have a couple of books here that I think are fascinating. They're written towards children, but they're really not for children because they're very wordy. But they're written so that you can kind of entertain a child with them as well as the adults can be... uh, educated in it but one's called the reformation abcs people places and things of the reformation and it's obviously um surrounding uh martin luther and his stance on toward the catholics but also stuff like um john wycliffe and his uh strong you know um wanting to put the hands put put the bible in the hands of the english and Mm -hmm. translate it toward them as well as um uh, some of the other reformers that are all around that. We, I w- was privileged to go to um, to visit the Oxford um, Chapel where the Oxford Martyrs are listed. Right. Um, ones that were literally standing against the um, church at that time that was trying to stop, again, the Bible put in the hands of the normal people, the lay people. Anyway, Pilgrim's Progress. There's a bunch of things in here that's just really neat because I don't think... Um, I have not seen one that's quite so easily done and yet kind of a quick overview of why we even have Protestant churches these days. And then I have another one called the Church History ABCs. Um, this one was put out by uh, R.C. Sproul, I think, and Legionnaire Ministries, but I'm not sure about this one. Uh, it looks like they're the same but, thing. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, just in case anybody so wants to invest in... Um, yeah, they're by the same people, Stephen Nichols and Ned Bustard. Yeah, it's the same um, publishing. Some yes. really just great stuff to uh, talk to your children because, like I'm saying, Halloween's I'll hold them up like very shallow. No matter what you think about that holiday, it's just such a shallow day. It's it's nothing but 
literally putting masks on, which we've been trying to run away from recently. So I'm mm-hmm. a little confused why anybody would want to these days. But <laughs> and pretend like you're somebody you're not, which I'm not saying is inherently evil, that part of it. I, I know everybody likes to play games of dress up and stuff. You, you learn that from very young. That part of it doesn't sound inherently evil. It's, it's the whole day and the way we kind of set aside any of our belief structures and and any kind of and we you and i have been involved in some things that we know go on on that weekend or that uh, quote solstice holiday thing in some of the occult practices and stuff that make a big deal out of that a lot more than okay i um i think that do we want to answer that question why baptists don't have i mean first off it has to do with our tradition where we've come we come out of a baptist tradition and um, and I, without looking anything out, um, although I googled a few things, um, I, I have ideas about why that is. Um, but uh, the, the other thing too is that kind of comes to mind when you're talking about it is Reformation Day, um, or should I say Halloween? You know, All Saints Day is the reason it precursors it is kind of like thinking along similar lines. I'm not sure about Mardi Gras when it's celebrated, but I think it's similarly that there's just a it's a day of debauchery Mm -hmm. before you have a day of Christianity. Yeah, exactly. Celebrated. Well, Mardi Gras was a day before the um, supposed fast toward the resurrection or the crucifixion resurrection. So it's a similar idea. Yeah, I think it's probably a similar idea. And I, but in American culture, we've been so neutered of any religious. Yeah, it's we've thought. made it so shallow. Just, they're just fun. It's like Santa Claus is more what how, what Christmas is about than um, Jesus most of the time. Um, but the idea is that, that more, more than the in general principle and what you're saying, and I, I agree with you. I think that it would do us well as parents, as and us now as grandparents, to encourage our children to. To celebrate the concept of Reformation Day, um, <clears throat> and the idea that it is a point in time where history collided with, um, but it was this was church culture and and um, culture in general, and and church culture within church culture. Let's just put it that way: church culture collided with itself. However, there wasn't anything that was culturally really outside of the church at that state of of, of history. We was all pretty much church. There wasn't this. We didn't have atheists and agnostics. That just wasn't a thing back then. Everyone just kind of acknowledged God. It wasn't until the Enlightenment that that question even was formed. Well, they existed, I'm sure. They just it wasn't a line of thinking. It wasn't. It wasn't anything the prominent your... and prominent normal human being thought. There wasn't enough science to. Cre- I think one of the advantages that we have of science is we understand things a lot more now than we used to. One of the disadvantages is that we've allowed that understanding to get to our minds to think that yeah, we understand more than we we actually do. Um, but that's another conversation. Uh, uh, so anyway, the main reason is what happened, of course, after the Reformation is denominationals, um, denominations formed. And people ask me all the time, say, are you a Christian or like, are you a Baptist or are you a Methodist? And they think those are different faiths. And I'm like, no, you need to understand there's a difference between faith and, and structures within faith. Baptists, Catholic, Christians all hold the form that Jesus is who Jesus says he is. But um, but there was there's there's there were breakups in the church over the importance of certain doctrines. The most significant one being the Reformation, mm-hmm. when Catholicism had reached a point, and most of the 95 thesis addresses indulgences and purgatory, um, which are not Baptist issues. They're not issues that we we hold. Um, we we don't we have beliefs about them, but we never have had indulgences. And I, I'm actually thinking about well, this to transition into our subject matter. Believe it or not, just well, be what's funny about those two things though is there there's no scriptural reference point for any of that right and that's and and that was martin luther's that's what point. i was going to say right. so the bottom line is it had gone off so far from scriptural and in fact dealing directly with what jesus came directly to pull down making my house a, a den of thieves is what he had right. said to the direct right. you know temple practices of that day so it's a very similar thing and martin luther was used of god to break that down once again to say this has become evil not not a place of honoring god so i think that 95 thesis day is huge yeah exactly from god's perspective and, and what i'm getting at is in principle that's what happened so reformation day there's the 95 thesis but it's incredibly detailed and there was creeds and things that formed out of that and so when denominational structures broke away from the founding the the you know the lutheranism which was the foundation of revolution of reformation yeah. um we dispensed with things that were remnants of that in order to teach people what with the with the, our founders and others like and other structures said was the truths that we were bringing with. So each these are rev, they're reformations, but every denomination is a little reformation. It's a sure. tiny reformation. Luther opened the door to a, a huge things. And and for example, the and the reason um, 
I want to speak to this. Uh, I think more than anything, I don't necessarily think it speaks denominationally to a month, you know, a lot of different, but it speaks of the martyrs who gave their lives so that actually, so that America could be formed because out of that reformation came the pilgrims and all those who brought yeah. faith to America because they wanted to be able to worship right. separate from the uh, organized uh, church that was telling them how to operate, right? right? Which is what Luther And that's why I'm saying that I'm agreeing with you on the premise that we should bring back things like that. Um, but bring them back in um, a more of a, say, never water down the scripture, but bring back some of this stuff in the watered down format. And what I mean by watered down is we don't deal with indulgences. We don't, in the sense that this, uh, you know, the, the Luther's argument was that the Pope brings out indulgences to buy the way out of purgatory. If the Pope can contend to purgatory, then he's the only one that can spring you from purgatory. And you're saying this, and he's saying this promotes greed by having to pay your way out. So all of these issues are not relevant in our, I mean, you get bored. If I start listening, you get bored because you're like, well, I got to learn all the history of that. Oh, see, I, yeah. I don't believe that. That's why I liked these little books. I, my point exactly. Because they're an overview. That's yeah. what I'm saying. So they give the big idea. Of, so what's the principle here? Of, well, and all I'm saying is, quote, All Saints Day, was to celebrate those who've gone before us Mm-hmm. To to bring the gospel to us, people like um, I said, John Wycliffe or um, Tyndale, um, so many of those that we don't necessarily hear of or know of much unless we study them and yeah. teach them to our children a little bit. The ones who literally gave their lives, some of them at the burn stake, you know, burning at the stake, to bring us the actual um, scripture, so that God was carrying on His mission, just like. Peter and Paul and, and the first disciples gave up their lives so that so that the mission could be accomplished in that region. These men also carried it and all the way really to the United States. So I'm just saying there are things our children need to learn about. I agree. And we end up setting that aside because Halloween. <laughs> well, yeah, I, and that, and so what you're su- suggesting is out. that rather than just having them be excited about Halloween. Um, or then just get fall into the culture. There's some other things that can be addressed. Well, to and I'm saying, as, as far as a Christian family, when we were growing, when we were raising our kids, there were times that was kind of fun. Uh, I remember one one festival sometime where our kids dressed up as some biblical characters, and we went to a church event. And I I want to think that that was somewhere around like a harvest festival, which I know some churches answer, trying to answer it, and you know, kind of play middle ground but even at those i don't remember hearing about the martyrs i don't remember hearing about any of the actual um celebrations of saints or anything like that or you know i'm saying saints not in the catholic frame but i mean people who have lived the life of a uh, true believer and have given their lives up because of that but anyway it it has never been that it's always been a this or nothing kind of thing with halloween it feels like so right I don't understand that. I don't understand why Christians have set that aside in lieu of doing some dress up. Because if you're like me and you have little kids, they're going to dress up all the time. They they literally have they a, sometimes have a trunk we, full of dress and our up clothes. Grandkids are going to be the Incredibles because our daughter was over here working on well, the other so side. So I'm of the saying table. it's throughout the year they're yeah. dressing up as stuff. They're they're using I dress gotcha. up clothes. They're I doing gotcha. whatever. So why not do that any any other time, and just let that be? Oh, that's fun. It's fun to dress up like this, but. When it comes to October 31st, why don't we celebrate what God has done to bring true literal faith to us, to our family, to our heritage, to to this country? Who mm-hmm. And I just feel like this is the time for that. It's time to go back to that. It's time to abandon some of these cultural norms that I don't even know why they exist. <laughs> I'd really like to well, know why they exist. Now we have more than one um, dress-up day. I mean, there's obviously, I was going to say, so just a point-counterpoint on this thing. So maybe we could just change the name to National Dress-Up Day, and we could just have one day a year where everybody has permission to dress up. Because it's really, it's sure. not just Let's the, do that on August 1st. That sounds good. <laughs> the reason National I say that, day. I was going to say that is because as much as anything, with me, some of the work that I've been doing, um, I find that it's more an excuse for adults to dress up because adults don't get to play dress Always. up as much. It's absolutely. Kids do dress up all the time. They make the excuse that it's about the kids. Yeah. It is absolutely not about the kids other than to feed them a bunch of candy, which we're seeing now with COVID is really not a great way to train your children <laughs> to think of worshiping candy. Are they going to ask everybody when they year. go to the door? Because Trick or treat, reality, are you faxed? Our um, teeth <laughs> and our um, diabetes are really going downhill because of... Uh, but... Candy itself isn't the evil either. So having candy well, here indulg- or there is fine. That brings me back to indulgences. <laughs> okay. 
Okay. Um, so what I was going to say about indulgences a minute ago, and I'm going to transition off of the subject using this, because what Martin Luther, when I said, so these are all the little specific things that he was dealing with in his culture, but what was the reason that he nailed the thesis to begin with? Not all the little reasons, it was one big reason. He believed that the church had overstepped its authority and was now yeah. putting upon the right. people a burden they could not bear under. Like I said, we could spend a lot of time just on that. Yeah. It is not just right. an American government. We Many people, and, and right now in the world, we've, uh, there's a sense in the, I mean, you look at Australia, and there's a sense that the government is putting a pressure and a bearing down on the people in a way that they cannot stand up under because of fear over the COVID business. Now, without getting into that too much, I want to talk, we wanted to talk a little bit about one of the questions our children asked us this week was, how do we help our friends when they're struggling with suicide? Yeah, yeah well, and, the... the the truth of that was that Noah literally, I want to find a pen. I can get you a pen. Um, Noah literally put a prayer request in our family group um, chat mo uh, form that he had had to nearly every day talk someone down from mm -hmm. suicide. And he's not the and only we, one. Well, and, and I had just heard a statistic this week that... Elijah just buzzed in. I've had to do the same thing this week. As a matter of fact, I walked in on Elijah and told him he needed to go to bed, and he just shook me off, and I'd let it alone, but he told me, like, he said, Dad, sometimes I'm, I'm help doing oh, something wow. serious. And so he was talking to a friend who was struggling well, with Well, it's incredibly hard to believe, but it's also a product of COVID. We've heard that a few times, we've, but we've heard it even worse in the military. And what the statistic I heard this week was there's been total for all of the military um, uh, branches – there's been like a total of say 67 or something like that COVID deaths or you know what they're attributing to COVID. Who knows what's actually going on out there? I won't get into that. But here's the, um, here's the, but the suicides has been in the same frame time frame. The two years of COVID, almost two years, um, 400 from suicide. It says here from the Transom News Agency, suicides in the American Armed Forces are estimated to have soared 46% yeah. as compared, compared over the same period last year. The Defense Department revealed that 60 active duty U.S. Army personnel took their, this is just the Army, this is just one yeah, reason. My, our children are not in the Army, they're in the Navy, um, took their own lives in that period as compared to 41 in the previous year. The COVID-19 pandemic has claimed the lives of 60 military personnel, not 67 military personnel. Now let me point out again, Suicide rate is showing one branch. They're they're putting beside that all the branches for the COVID numbers. Uh -huh. So I think it's important to understand that if we put... Well, that's why the statistic the, uh, I limit. heard was across the whole thing. Yeah, and I'll, I'll, or so I'll look that up. I'm curious. Well, I've, I've looked it up several times, too. Oh, then you're ready. Go. There was... Well, I, I, yeah, tell me. Let me know. I told you. Um, I, I, that's the one I cited is correct, and that one's according to Fox... Um, article. There was a couple other articles. USA Today says um, that it was up 46%, like you just said. That's 46%, yeah. though. So th I don't know what number Transom, you Transom is, out, I think, an Army agency. 46% means it's half. Like, if there was 100, there's 150 now. So that's a lot more than what uh, one or two. Um, military su suicides have increased as much as, this is from Associated Press, 20% compared to the same period in 2019. So that's two years ago um, but it incre increases that much it sounds like every quarter so that's the problem is there it's going up literally by that much every, each quarter that's what i read in a couple different places what was the number again um yeah. i'm sorry young and, and i'm just going to keep going through this yeah, go because the, the percentages and all that are to me irrelevant it's, i was like for percentages i was getting the numbers yeah but young enlisted troops are the primary concern it says they account for 43 percent of the military population but 61 percent of the deaths right, right 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 and so that's who our guys would probably be dealing with would be the youngest ones at least um uh, Noah, who's one of the first ones in. We, but I want to go to just, so they attribute a lot of different things to it from these um, ones I was reading. Stuff like uh, their own personal issues. Let's see, what did I read? Relationship problems, administrative legal issues, workplace difficulties, maybe other medical conditions and stuff. Um, and some veterans who deal with like chronic pain and sleep disorders and stuff. We, we know from that, from PTSD and stuff. But the, what what I was talking to my sister, who's also former military, she said they didn't really see that much because 
everyone was busy. There really wasn't time. And when you were alone, you're, you were limited time alone, for one thing. And then you ended up um, usually with, you know, other things to do or you had to sleep or you whatever. So there wasn't, mm-hmm, there was mm-hmm. such a such a more limited time for that to actually happen. These days, I was telling her that my sons are dealing with all these uh, ROM, I forgot what that stands for, but it's downtime when they go to a particular assigned place. Right. They have these... Um, quarantine quarantine times yeah Yeah. and so Noah alone has had to do that like I want to say almost 10 times he said because once they transition they have to do it where they're at then they transition they have to do it there then and they're two weeks long they literally sit in these um, hotel rooms by themselves for two weeks they can barely get they get their food delivered to a door they can't talk to anybody. They can't mm-hmm. go off campus. I guess they have a hotel room, so there are toilets in there. It's ridiculous, and it's it's horrible. N- not only is our whole you know, country and other countries dealing with quarantine where you should stay at home, your family should stay at home, whatever. Most people can at least quarantine with someone. These incidences, they, they can't. So they have some online gaming and some different things that they can communicate with someone, which sounds like is the way Noah's talked to several of his friends. Right. Is to talk them off of ledges, literally in those situations, through these um, online platforms and stuff. But then there's others, I want to say, like probably women would deal with a lot more emotional issues and probably because they have access on the other side of that, they have access to all the internet junk yeah they have literally media mm-hmm. you know social media gone nuts so so it's that's working against them as well so literally feels like so first they don't have a job to work at so that they have keep their hands busy which is what the bible warns about don't be idle because that's that literally is a place the devil works but then it talks about um I mean, then they also, besides not having a, a job to do that physically keeps them busy and their mind busy, then they also have all these social media things that are putting all kinds of other weird stuff in their head. Well, the message of hopelessness is out there. I mean, oh, that's yeah, the that's things. the thing. I, I um, <laughs> Social media tears down anything even if you have some hope. <laughs> it tears down whatever hope you had yeah. because it compares without any kind of real legitimately um, people involved. It's It's... It's all about what can be portrayed in tr- true life form, really. You can lie about anything on the internet because you yeah. can look a certain way, and that's likely about 2% of the actual truth, you know? Yeah. I, um, I was trying to think about some examples in the scripture of people who committed suicide or tried to commit suicide. Um, uh, Saul um, wanted to fall on his own sword. Um, or he wanted his armor bearer to run him through and ultimately winds up falling on his own sword. And, um, and, and that was because of military <laughs> his, uh, it was, pressure, I guess. Well, it was, there was, a, it was a hopeless situation. He thought he was going to be killed. David wouldn't have killed him, but he mm-hmm. thought he was going to be killed. Not David. Yeah, David wouldn't have killed him. Well, and he was um, a leader. So and he was, was a leader, so there was shame failing, and there was yeah. dishonor. Um, the other one is uh, Judas that comes to mind right away. He betrayed mm-hmm. Jesus, and when he realized what he had done, so there was a. There, in both cases, if you look just from a psychological a case, there's a heavy bit of shame there. Mm-hmm. Judas is um, realizing that he, everything that he thought about life was wrong. Um, Saul realizing that he's he's lost everything, um, and both of them had lost everything. But it just you know the psychological trauma that's there. It's a simple sense of hopelessness. That's on the other hand, I can't think of anyone an, else off well, the top of my mind. No, but I want to I want to go to one who at least felt that way you can read it very plainly that she would have committed suicide had it not been so i'm going to put out there naomi who lost her husband and her two sons within a within a yeah Yeah. i want to say within a 10-year period but even less than that i think and she was in a foreign land had decided to go on home told her daughter-in-laws just to go ahead and leave her alone she might as well die on her own basically is what it, it sounded like that's what her what she was reflecting and the opposite happened because of ruth who came alongside her and said i'm not gonna let you do that i'm gonna commit to you Mm -hmm. so how cool is that that the bottom line um evidence of walking alongside someone like elijah just said he did and noah has said he needs to to say you know i'm here 
I, and I'm committed to you, whether or not that goes anywhere further than that. In, in Ruth's case, she walked with Naomi literally all the way back to her homeland and said, she, you know, your land will be mine and your people my people. So she literally gave up all she had or the people she would have gone back to and went with her, um, which I know had to have sustained Naomi. She had to have now had a reason to keep going because she had someone else, either n- not just to care for her but to care for because that's sometimes that's a big deal and i would think young military guys that's one thing they they need to keep at work and busy but they also if they don't have someone to care for you never need to underestimate the um you you address two things someone to care for which is a sense of purpose meaning why am i here i mean so oftentimes we know when a woman dies in a a marriage so oftentimes the man doesn't survive as long afterwards because he doesn't have anyone to care for. That was his purpose. Um, was, for some reason or another, you girls can get along fine without us guys. I'm not sure why that is. But um, the, uh, but the, so there's that need to, of something to give life meaning, uh, to, to care for some other human. There's also the value of um, that you have, which you said, of just being there and being a presence with someone who's, who's hurting, like uh, Ruth and Naomi. There was, there was a sense of, I'm here for you, I'm behind you. So being that was cared about. Being cared about, yes. Yeah. So, so both of them. Do you want to hear some just... Uh, Quick reference. We can jump off of these some things, some some definitions of the the um, this article I've got is a suicide is a tragic. These are just like baseline definitions, but I think they're good springboards. Um, tragic and lethal culmination of a psychological process that results from unresolved events that create depression and hopelessness. This is kind of what we were talking about. So, um, someone who is considering suicide cannot see any hope that the future will be different from the painful past or present. Yeah, and what's funny is you wouldn't think of these, most of these younger people, you're talking about shame and some things that can bring those thoughts on. They don't have a lot to be shamed about, but they don't, they don't also see hope in this current situation or whatever situation they are at, whether it be in their home life or in their career or, you know, some of them have new jobs, new understandings, and it's overwhelming to them. But why would they hold so heavily to... Uh, a sense of shame or a sense of hopelessness it's it's hard to believe because i i feel like young people of all people should have a lot of kind of natural hope like you know we talk about kids you can't hardly drown out their giddiness about life just you know they pop up out of the bed and go do things but the teenage years are really really hard and they're a lot of us no matter how much of a it's supportive a family you grow up in you third leading some cause of, of deaths amongst teenagers is suicide. Death, yeah. um, the nine, 15 the to 19 years old. And the leading cause of death in America. In the or worldwide. In the yeah. world, I think. Um, Which I don't... That, that sense of a lack of hope, I mean, uh, f- uh, just a few other thoughts, and then I'll give you some things that we can look at. The risk of suicide is greatest if within the first year if someone's tried already, obviously, and that makes sense. So there's still very, very... Just because you've helped avert one doesn't necessarily mean... If they've got a plan, if they've got a specific plan, then you need to be stressed about it. Or you need to be acting. Realizing they're, they're, yeah. they're, if they have a plan, then there's a higher likelihood they're going to move that way. Um, men are more violent with suicides than women. Also, much more likely to commit suicide than women. Um, uh, men, you know, women will do things like pills or cutting or something, whereas men will just go for the guns and the big stuff. Um, substance abuse is usually a hand-in-hand combination with that. Mm, yeah. um, uh, there's something going on. Twenty that's, to fifty. Twenty to fifty percent of suicides. So isn't that an abuse. interesting angle? Substance abuse is supposed to lessen the pressure or the stress. You begin to use substance to try and deal with whatever you're dealing with, and then that isn't an answer. Yeah, well, just like anything, Satan can talk you into this is a a Band-Aid to make you feel better, but then it takes you down a road of more hopelessness, mostly because addiction of any kind is a hopeless situation, and most people see that. But the other thing is those dependencies become so they literally cannot live without them that they can't find a way out. But some of them don't realize that those dependencies create other chemical responses in your body that are calling out for those hopeless thoughts and whatever to get worse rather than mm-hmm. even be a Band-Aid. They really yeah, don't even one help. Yeah, one of the things that is real is that when somebody is being suffering from depression or something like that, if they are um, like coming off medication, oftentimes people will commit suicide when they're coming off medication. It's because their mood hasn't changed, but their energy levels have gone up 
because part of what um, antidepressants does is it depresses your energy levels. And so if, you, if they're feeling better, they may not have changed their opinion, and now they just have the energy to follow through. So there's a higher risk sometime because yeah. what's not changed still is they're, they're shifting. if I'm shifting mood, I haven't shifted thought. Yeah. And suicide is a, is a, is an, is a um, we keep, we're using the word hope, but hope is fueled by what we're thinking. And so when you're dealing with, with someone who's in that situation, um, they're, 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 someone who's dealing with suicide is got, has developed a tunnel vision around a, a pattern of thought. They are not um, seeing a solution. They only see this. this is, they have come to the point to where you're not talking about suicide unless you've reached a place where you're like, I don't see another way. Well, I just, just, just yeah. painful. I mean, we've talked about two beginning this. We were talking about a little bit about worldview. And a lot of times that you get drowned out when you don't have the ability to look outside of where your thoughts have taken you and, and what, like you said, you, you see this situation, I don't see any way out of it. Um, it, it doesn't give hope itself, the situation doesn't. I pray that, like maybe with our own children or with um, the way we were raised, if, if you're raised with a f- sense of faith, there's a sense of someone is bigger than you, larger, there's more going on than you see. There's bigger things to think about than just what's right in front of you. Then prayerfully, hopefully, that itself brings some break out of that tunnel vision you're right. referring to. Because the, the tunnel vision is easy to get into. Any of us could can go into a spiral of thought that continues to... I've been there myself where you, you feel like you're the one that's causing the problem and therefore um, you're not going to help someone else. And if their situation could be lessened, you'd like to help them. So therefore, since you're the one causing the problem, you can get out of the way mm-hmm. of that or something. Mm-hmm. It's just like a, a spiral of thought. But I, I want to go to the only thing I would know any time to be able to tell someone is um, obviously my worldview comes from scripture and it's the only truth I know to bank any kind of hope or, or purpose or life. I don't any anything about this life on. So I think of Psalm 139 and I think of how how even today we we see um I, I guess what I'm trying to say is I can see how teenagers, if they've come from maybe even in their own home or their te- teachings in their home, if they've thought because i want to tie this into abortion if they've thought well that person you know didn't deem um uh that as important or whatever why am i important in other words it, you, you can't you can't throw you, you've got to throw all of this same thought at it's all from the same line of thinking that no one is worth it and if you can't see that from like psalm 139 says that we were seen even in our mother's womb we were seen and thought of and you've searched for me you've known me you've known when i sit and stand up you understood my thoughts you observed my travels and my rest you're aware of all my ways before words on my tongue you know it you've encircled me you placed your hand on me um where can i go to escape your spirit where can i flee from your presence if i go to heaven you're there if i make my bed in um, hell you're there if i live in the eastern horizon or settle in the western limits even there there your hand will leave me your right hand holds me Surely the darkness won't hide me. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night shines like day. Darkness and light are, um, are alike to you. For it was you who created my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's room. I will praise you because I've been remarkably and wonderfully made. In other words, all this knits together to think that I've got a greater reason to exist mm-hmm. than what I see right in front of me. I, I agree. And I think that what we're looking at with um, with the healing process is helping someone who is looking to to kill themselves to actually come to see that they have a greater reason to exist if they've if they've been in inculcated as you referenced with thoughts with devaluing the value of the human being yeah like abortion a lot of suicide happens for people over 60 higher than has ever been in our history because their lives don't have purpose 
um, after they've raised their kids or moved on or they've divorced. It's just more since 1960, there's been almost a tripling in that. I um, haven't heard number. about any of that. But, I didn't um, either. I just read it. was focusing on the military because that's... Well, that's, that's where the we're... the sad thing is they all have a lot of hope and a lot of whatever. I can understand someone in their elder years, especially with this COVID um, crisis and stuff, feeling like they weren't going to have much hope anyway. That's sad to me, but... Well, I mean, I we've, wanna, we're experiencing in the military. Because yeah, I think it'd be the same mentality. Yeah, I'm not going to spend any time age, on that right? subject matter. I, I was just I was just really trying to say to you that, you know, it's happening everywhere. But that's part of the problem is people over 60, when I mentioned that, since the only reason I bring that up is our worldview has been shifted in the, from, in since the, really since the boomer, after the culture built through the builders, the boomers began to create a lot of free thinking or freer, broader thinking or whatever you want to come up that diminished or devalued that sense of human worth that's given to us by God. They, they broke, began the process of breaking away from that. So the generations that followed that, and now particularly with the young ones that are today and in the military, specifically where their lives are in harm's way as it were, but just in general, the younger population doesn't have as a foundational thought process a clean understanding that their value is given to them by an, an, an inalienable right given to them by their creator. <laughs> right. They are right. creator is is maybe in the independent in the Constitution, but the creator in the Declaration of Independence. But creator is not in our hearts. It's not in the hearts of many of these young men and women who are in our in our armed forces. Yeah. And, and so, they dismiss that as un, unnecessary these so, days. That's what I guess what I'm trying to say. Right. That's and, line of thinking. And what happens is our children go in there and we raise them with the worldview. You referenced worldview, right? They go into the worldview that Christ is. All of our kids, have, we've sent them into the world and, it's, and thus far, all of them have held to the belief system that, um, that God is real. And that that he, we've been created. We're not something that just came from the muck and the mire and the apes and the. We don't believe in that. We we sang and kind of poked fun of that entire concept that we somehow are an, a, an aberration. Of, we're a deformed glorified ape. Goo or well, we're just a deformed ape. Oh, um, yeah. if, or glorified goo. <laughs> or glorified goo. I like glorified goo. That's good. So um, we we come to the fact that there's a higher um, being a higher authority that created us and, and we believe and, and know who that is so our kids are finding themselves surprised when they get into the world sometimes and they they run into a large mass of people that don't share that belief or that may be coming from a completely agnostic but that's not the only place they do have people who are um who share that basic belief but they're down or depressed because they've somehow allowed the circumstances of their lives to diminish their ability to cling to it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, COVID has created that because of isolation. We've already referenced that mm -hmm. previous, uh, previously in this conversation, earlier in this conversation. But there's also trauma. There's, um, you know, what's going on in their, in their, um, in their past. I think to answer the question or to work, on, to work a little bit on answering the question um, here is if you're someone who in, are in the military in your life that someone has approached you and said, that they're thinking about taking their lives. How do we get? How do we help bring them to that conclusion to say your worth is the Psalm one thirty nine value? You know, this is who God says you are. He sees you in the darkest places in your world. He sees you in the brightest places of your world. He has not lost you. You are not forgotten. You're that. How do we help someone who has gone, who has either wandered from that belief because of their own struggles? Could it be trauma? Could it be, I've been isolated for so long, I've forgotten who it is. Um, one of the things that uh, Judah's learning about and others that uh, POWs who were in, um, in camps for uh, John McCain's experience when he was in boot camp, the, the, when he was asked who were the ones that didn't make it, and he said those were always the ones, not John McCain, it was, um, uh, shoot. I can't remember. The, it was a, it's a law. Uh, it's a leadership law, and I can't think of what it is. I'll remember the name. But anyway, the same thing. We got, who, who did you think that was going to get out? Um, who was going to not make it? And he said, the ones who think we're going to get out before Christmas. And, um, and he was saying that the people that were able to settle into the most difficult of circumstances and understand that God had them, and no matter how long they were in that, they would not go crazy. They would be able to make it out. They wouldn't lose their mind in it. And he said, um, so... Helping someone to endure because that was traumatic. I mean, that's you're you're a POW. You're being tortured every day. Those kinds of things. And then these men men survived that. How do they survive it? By keeping themselves, you know, <laughs> focused on the right things. Um, but our own military right now is 
putting people in isolation and <laughs> locking them down because of fear of COVID. So they're experiencing some of the same kind of trauma. They're being locked down and they're afraid all the time. They're, you know, it's easy. To, they, keep, they keep guns and weapons so they can kill the enemy they can see, but now they're fighting one they can't see or they don't, that they don't think they can fight. I'm sorry, I'm not trying to lose you if I'm wandering around a little bit. Am I getting confusing? Am I making sense here? I guess the thing is, um, you know, how do we get to the bottom of it and help our friends in those situations? And um, unlike what I'm doing right now, kind of talking it to death, what I think part of it was we need to get to know, we need to understand where is that trauma coming from? How did they arrive to that point? So asking good questions. Well, and the funny thing is our, our culture tries to answer it with be whoever you want to be you know this whole transgender trend and um even the gay rights and different things like that are are some way searching for who am i and what am what purpose do i have and if i don't feel right about it shouldn't i fix it and and all that kind of stuff just ags that on i think it just encourages people to not first of all not look at their creator who knows how they were created and what they were created for the whole point of their existence is to worship him to, to be in fellowship with him and if they've gone away from that because it's not good enough or it's you know too many rules or whatever they've put up the reasons why then they've come over here to try to find identity something somewhere else then ultimately they still have not found purpose we we heard that the i think it was the transgender community is still 40 percent suicide rates in that so it's obviously not a not an answer they haven't found an answer in trying to transform who they are or be, you know, whoever they want to be, whatever. I think some of the key to this is accountability. It used to be a sin. Remember that? In fact, I think a while back in the Catholic teaching, it was literally one of the only ways you were absolutely going to hell was to <laughs> commit suicide. And I think probably the line of thinking in that was that you took you were taking the, a life, a precious life of God. So that's what I was trying to say was it can be kind of woven back into the line of thinking of abortion of this life isn't a life until we say it is or until, yeah, you know, no it's question. not imp important until we deem it important or something. And so we've gotten so far away from sin and, and, and offense to God that now these young people just think, who am I and what am I here for? And obviously, because then it, I think it even diminishes who cares about them around them. The thing that my parents taught me was that God loves me first. And God cares that I exist. And, and in this uh, age, this time, whatever, for whatever reason, and I don't even know what that is from day to day right now. I don't have a whole lot going on either of... You know, I'm not taking a bunch, care of a bunch of kids, which at one time was kind of my identity, or I'm not, um, you know, a pastor's wife and kind of uh, caring for a, a lot of people who might see me and, and want to see an you know, example of someone seeking after God, that kind of thing. But I don't have any of that hardly right now, not, not pressing in on me, not giving me a lot of purpose. But I have inherently in me, someone loves me. That's what and, I'm getting at. And, right. I, and even if I don't, tangibly understand God's love I know my mom sits there loving me I know you sit there loving me I know I have kids who have you know even if they're not living right next to me they love me they they care that I exist and it matters their lives are going to be affected by whatever my life choices are as well so I'm confused why these young kids and these and 20-somethings or whatever don't see around them people that care and that whose lives will be upheavaled if they lose them you know why why is it that and is it just as i was saying is it just trickled down to if god doesn't care then no one else really does either it, it breaks my heart because i don't know how I, like you're saying i don't know how to approach it other than to okay. start at the very beginning god cares about you he right you matter to him and and truthfully um if I were to, uh, I, I use Saul's as an example a minute ago. The reason Saul was depressed and wanted to be run through with his own sword wasn't just what happened at the battle that day. God had, he had turned away from God and went his own way. And as a result of that, he was dealing with the shame associated with that. And um, yeah. from that, uh, saw the world around him crumbling. And so he grew more and more, uh, less and less sane. Let's just put it that way. 
So the logically reason from that is, and what is true of you, you know, you and I, and hopefully of me, is that we have a, a, a discipline in our lives of maintaining that connection. We may make a mistake now and again and turn from God in the sense that we, you know, do something do, that yeah. we like, whoops, that was me, you know. Um, but our heart is towards him. Our desire is to follow after him, and we repent when we make those mistakes. We turn around and turn back to him, which is well, what repentance means. Well, because our means. lives aren't about certain behaviors. They're about trying to seek him, trying to well, and this is, seek this him is, in all things. Right, and this is what I'm getting at is it's, it's about the fact – you mentioned Naomi and Ruth. The relationship between the two of them sustained them. The relationship between someone and God is what sustains them. And so – we need to understand that God, Jesus gives us a, a, a very straightforward narrative of to what a healthy life looks like, right? Love God with everything that you are and love your neighbor as yourself. That means that it's we become self-aware, and, and this is a friend of mine says this, he says it this way, he says, we become self-aware by becoming God-aware. And we become other, become uh, and becoming God-aware helps to inform us how to become others-aware. And so, um, and so, what happens is by by loving God, we begin to see who we really are, in light of that, and through that, then we're able to see how others are as well. And so, what we are looking to do is um, is we we have to, if we want people to do well, we have to help them see God and see a relationship there, just like Ruth and Naomi had, just like uh, David and and Nathaniel and. David and Jonathan had, mm-hmm. just like um, I'm sure Nathaniel had good relationships mm-hmm. too. Um, but the you know well, that's a good point. Even I would even say Judas. He had he had been offered that with Jesus because he was literally on the inside circle of the um, the disciples. But on in his own whatever it was zealousness and his own understanding, he turned away from those he could have turned to had he been in these tempting moments. These moments that feel like you're the only one that's out there and thinking these thoughts or doing whatever. If even Judas would have turned to one of his um, friends, his, you know, the co-students, uh, maybe, best way to see that, and said, you know, I'm thinking these thoughts, what, what do you, you know, and bounce some things off and gotten truth. Because I think, again, some, something that happens in this culture these days is no one's, we really aren't giving each other truth. We're doing a lot of make someone feel good or you know they're going to get canceled if they don't say the right thing because i'm offended by it or that kind right, of thing. right but to give each other truth that's that's heavy and that's what all the way back to the beginning of this that's what the martyrs in these books um that talk about the reformation were willing to do no matter who killed them literally even killed them they were willing and and convinced that the truth mattered and to get the truth to the people, um, which we believe is, you know, the gospel, the the true words of God, to get them to the people would matter, and it would it would change the world, literally. So I'm I'm sad that we, maybe this is what I was saying to begin with about Halloween. I'm sad that we as Christians kind of just float in life. We float by these things and put up with them, but there's, but when there's no. Um, no reason for them, no foundation for them, nothing that helps someone else, then why do, Why would we? You know, what, what's the participation in that? If, I mean, it's one thing to enjoy a story, even a kind of, quote, scary story or whatever, which I don't, I don't understand how somebody could find good in that, but whatever. If there's good in it, that's good, because maybe that's the good. Ha-ha. There's a rush in it. That's but, why we, take, we do roller coasters, and that's just scary right? from a different way. so. But it's where we don't want to go is to celebrate evil. The Bible says be innocent of evil. Be excellent at what is good. And and laud and praise the things that are noble and right and true and just and, and have good report. And and so that's what I was trying to say by maybe we ought to focus a little more with our children on what is good and right and has been good and and has stood for right and people who have given their lives so that others can know the truth. And the truth can make us free because we know of Jesus and, and his truth disciples us and sets us free. Anyway, you know, from our shame, from yeah. our fear. From I was thinking because you thing. said this, and this is a random aside um, about horror movies. I'm thinking about just some of the ones we looked at um, 
not we haven't watched horror movies but some of the things that so oh, often you were studying yeah as I was studying or? the background of horror movies with the movies that made us on the Netflix special which is interesting but what I was saying is how often horror movies basically are evil characters punishing people for the sins that they're engaged in at the moment <laughs> you know that's there's there's well, always you know the kids go off to camp and they're doing the stuff they're not supposed to so they wind up get getting killed or that yeah. they get so, punished because that should genuinely be the only fear we have right is of of punishment for sin, which is the whole point, and, and there's a whole passage on that too. That's the only thing that we should really fear. Mm-hmm. Everything else is in God's hands, and that too has been answered for us by Jesus. Yep. So that when we are in His hands, we no longer have to be afraid. We no longer have to be ashamed. All that stuff is wiped away. Right. So how sad that people don't have that that we can't give that to them especially right now when all this the lies out there that are affecting them on every side are lies that the enemy wants to make so big that they can ignore god's truth and god's love for them well there are things that get in the way and make it hard for us to to hear this verse just popped up in my little thingy here it says psalm thirty four eighteen said the lord is near to those who have a broken heart and saves such as have a contrite spirit. So he's with you, and and I think that as you're counseling, or, or, you know, obviously if you have a friend that you've assessed that is in real risk factor, they're not just. I mean, people will talk about I'd rather not be alive. That's not necessarily a plan to kill yourself. That could just be that's how I'm feeling right now. There's I, ha- I have mornings like that before coffee. <laughs> yeah. um, sometimes I wake up mornings before coffee and don't think I'm alive. Mm-hmm. Um, but the uh, but I mean, uh, if people are truly you, part of the listening prospect is number one, listening in and of itself to someone who's hurting is cathartic for the person who you're listening to. You're there. You care enough to take the time to hear their mm-hmm. struggles and to and you don't want to. And, and if it's a trauma, you need to discuss with them what happened. If you're coming, okay, military people, straight out here. If there's there's some sort of PTSD, if it's a, if it's something that's happened in the in the service because they served in Afghanistan or something, you know, they come out of those things. There's real issues there, and many, many, many of our service people are coping with it with substance abuse, marijuana, or other things, mm-hmm. drinking. But um, the the closer you are to the issue, um, the closer you are to getting someone to talk about their trauma. The, the less time it's going to take to help them work through their trauma. So helping someone talk about it as quickly as possible yeah, is helpful. Right. So if someone's come to you and they're expressing a struggle and there's a trauma there, get to the bottom. Just talk about it. Let them talk to you about it. Ask questions that drag it out. You know, and that's and, good and, to say because the first go-to is don't ever do that. Let a real counselor deal with it and whatever. But I don't think that's necessarily true. Most I people won't get exactly to that right. real counselor. Yeah, most I mean, of them won't go. That's exactly right. And, and if it, you can even just hear it, if you can stomach it enough to kind of hush up and not judge or do whatever but just listen it matters so much yeah, getting it out of yeah, them don't judge because the enemy just uses them, whatever them to churn in them that yeah. evil and the fear yeah well, i mean if somebody's been in, in a war situation they've killed someone there's a likelihood that they've, they've had to yeah. kill someone and, and that is traumatic to normal people yeah. you know um so it's <laughs> got some fruit flies in our on our set this morning um it's so Letting them express their feelings, letting them talk about what's going on in, in their lives is important. And I was going to say, the listening was there. and um, Getting to the bottom. Getting of to the bottom of it, asking good questions, and then and helping them understand, and then letting them know that God cares about you in that moment. Uh, and and helping them understand that God's the only one that can truly that, heal that them. He That's what I was trying yeah, to say. That he doesn't hold it like, hold it against them, quote unquote, that there is sin and they are they are in separate relationship with God if they haven't turned to him. But right. but that that will not separate them once they turn to him. That's, I think, one thing people think is they're doomed. Like in that kind of situation, for sure, if I've killed someone, which, you know, I, I cannot relate to, praise the Lord, but I can understand how that would be the biggest of the, quote, sins in your head. You couldn't think that God could ever forgive you for. Yeah. The one thing he offered to us is forgiveness. And you can go to the Bible and find all kinds of evidence that, from the smallest turning away from him to the biggest murdering one of his own, um, even David, one of his men after his own heart, mm-hmm. had murdered and committed adultery. Those are some of the, quote, heavy sins. But those things can be wiped clean because of Jesus and forgiveness. And and because of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross and the resurrection, we have hope now that we can have a new day. We have We can get up a new day and see the world differently. 
even through the clouds and rain, which kind of sustain themselves lately in well, the winter months, which can also be one of the uh, things that the enemy can use is just the down days of... Yeah, we live in the Northwest. It's always dark and depressing here at this time of year. So I think for <laughs> once the sunshine goes away, everybody just kind of is like... I, I've, I often joke that all of the Northwest just kind of is suicidal for about six <laughs> or seven months. Let me, let me uh, just... We need to wrap this up because we're at an hour. We've been doing this about an hour now. So I want to I put it this way and just hear something else. God... It, I think because this is another issue that people deal with is they think they're supposed to be okay. Yeah. And I, I don't want to be really clear. There's an entire book of the Bible that is depression. It's called <laughs> Lamentations. Yeah, the, the practice of lamenting your own suffering and doing it out loud. The Jewish people were known for lamenting. That's that's a loud expression of grief. Yeah. You know, to, to grieve if you if something's been lost or if you've been wounded or you feel like you're in the, mm -hmm. the grieve, go somewhere in the alone if you need to and just scream. Yeah. Get the emotion out. Let your body release that tension. That sounds very new age, but it's not. It's biblical to let go no, and true. just and sometimes you just well, need someone even, you can trust to cry with. Do we let yeah, those things even happen? Even a majority of the book of Job is Job telling God how he feels. I've always said, yeah, don't, don't turn away from God, turn toward him, yeah. but give him all of it. Give him your, your hurt, your anger, be even angry, but be angry at, toward God, not, not because of God mm -hmm. and therefore turn away from him. He can accept that. He can see it as your separation from him and but it's also a type of turning to him. If you can take it out toward him, he can absorb it and give you back his love. Yeah. I've always believed that. And I've done that myself, gone into a car and just needed to scream or cry and be upset toward God because he's my, it's, it's kind of like if you go into your dad's office and you're all upset about, I don't know, something, you know, the car got loaned out to your brother and you need to go somewhere else or something like that Definitely and you gotta go get angry at your at your dad because he's the one that loaned him out that's okay that's yeah. because you don't understand that dad usually will stand right there take all you've said and then say how can i help you figure this yeah, out so, <laughs> so what can i do to help you son? <laughs> he doesn't <laughs> he me, doesn't slap you in the face and say never speak to me again you know go yeah. away he really loves you enough to listen like you said to your trauma to the things you think are what's going on first usually that's the case we don't see the whole perspective yeah. we never see god's side of it but for us to go to him is to say um i'm upset and i'm i'm frustrated but it is to go to him and that's what yeah. god said come to me you who are heavy and, and weary and you've got burdens on you i want to be your rest i want to give you that love and that rest you need so badly but you're not gonna find it anywhere else yeah i i think um I'm, the music should be starting here in a second so we're gonna get played out i think but one more thing that just came to my mind whether your friend is religious or not oh absolutely if they are have come to you for advice and they've come to you to listen to them, go ahead and offer, say, can I pray for you? And not yeah. pray for you somewhere else or I'll pray for you. More than anything, if you're sitting with someone and they hear you reaching out to God on their behalf, it still carries meaning. Absolutely. It may not make them a believer, but it may buy them a day. It may buy them some time to think differently and maybe because here's the well, here's the thing i was getting at other to say a prayer tunnel vision remember i mentioned that tunnel vision is a problem of those who are trapped in suicidal thoughts you cannot change your thoughts if you've had all the thoughts you have to have mm -hmm. so you need someone to speak new thoughts to you and that's where that's you stand as someone who's counseling and you need someone to speak new ideas to you and that's where you stand as someone who might take them to prayer yeah. and to give them an opportunity to see any life in a different way that you can speak out loud to can help them fight the enemy who's trying to destroy them yeah, yeah. all right well i think that wraps us up so um I'm not sure what's going on with concluding, but I'm Greg Sawyer, and this is my wife Tonya. Someone spelled your name Tonya the other day, like, and they they said Tonya. Well, no, I know, which is, <laughs> I'm trying to say they said it the way it wasn't spelled. It didn't make any sense. Anyway, I don't hear the music playing like I thought I was going to, but I'm just going to go ahead and say goodbye because it's time for us to say goodbye. And thank you guys for listening, watching. If you could see us, we're impressed because I've broken so many things trying to make video happen <laughs> on this. But if you can see us, uh, I'll remind you again, Tanya said, this is my ad while I'm waiting for music to play. These two books are available for you. 
if you'd like to have them. Not by us. Go Actually, to the store and buy them. I can't find them on Amazon right now either, which is find them? kind of funny. It's Crossway Books. There. Go to crossway.org. Yeah, or you can look on Ligonier And you can get them there or Ligonier Ministries. But crossway.org is where you'll find them. So anyway, thanks awesome. so much again for listening. We'll see you Reformation season. Um, uh-huh. next week or sometime thereafter. Thanks so much for being with us. Bye-bye. I keep on-